It's Monday, December 18th, 2017. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday morning Bible study, and we are continuing our study on the gospel according to Luke. And today we are joined by Dr. Rick, Dr. Rick Morton, who is the VP of Engagement for Lifeline, who helps with church partners and strategic partnerships and oversees our engagement team at Lifeline. And today he is going to walk us through Luke chapter 5, verse 17, through Luke chapter 6, verse 11. And I want to also just remind you that we've also released day 18 of our Advent series. And so as you and your family are walking through Advent season, please don't miss day 18 of our Advent podcast. So we're going to pick up today in our Bible study of the book of Luke, beginning in chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, Our text today will go through chapter 6, verse 11. We're going to focus really in on the story of Jesus here healing the paralytic, um, beginning in verse 17 of chapter 5. Dr. Luke writes, On one of those days, while he was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him, speaking of Jesus. Then there were some men who came carrying on a stretcher, a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your stretcher, and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We've seen incredible things today. So today I want us to really focus in on um, the story of Jesus' healing of the paralytic. Um, You've no doubt heard sermons, uh, maybe a lot of them, uh, Bible study lessons that have focused on the friends and the four men and their their service to their paralyzed friend. But today um, I want us to to focus a few minutes and talk about um, the paralyzed man and and just to understand how... um, how we all, on some level, um, can find ourselves like the paralyzed man, and, and what that what that teaches us. So we know that, that this man was was paralyzed, which meant in the first century that he was helpless. Um, I remember some years ago, uh, I had a friend who had a brother who was paralyzed in an automobile accident um, and lost the use of his legs. And I remember the way my friend's family responded initially. To that tragedy, um, it was it was hard, um, and and I remember that um, just their their grief was so deep, um, 
in in realizing that um, that this son and brother and um, cousin and that this young man was irrevocably paralyzed and would spend um, the rest of his life without the use of his legs and and as they came to grips with that there was there was a real grieving that happened um, almost as if um, he had lost his whole life that he was he had died. Um, now, slowly but surely, they they came to the realization that that using the loose, use of his legs didn't um, didn't mean the the loss of his life, and that there was there were great things, and and he's gone on to um, compete in sporting events, and he's gone on to be um, to live a a reasonably normal life, and to compensate for um, for the loss of the the use of his legs. Unlike today, um, when there are so many advances, this paralytic man that we read about in Luke chapter 5 um, was in a day where to be paralyzed meant that, that he, was, he was completely dependent. And that there was there was really no um, there was really no way for him to live anything that resembled a normal life. He was dependent upon others for transportation. There were no wheelchairs. There were no carts. There were no things for him to assistive technology. Um, there, he was he was dependent upon um, the 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 goodwill of others or the charity of others. He was destined to either be a beggar or or to be one who who lived on the kindness of friends and family because because there was really nothing that he could do productively um, to to earn a living for himself. Um, this man was not only paralyzed but he was helpless. And so, as we look at this story today, I just I just want to get the the, the sense and, and want us to remember that that part of what Jesus is pointing out in in using this story about a paralyzed man is he was using a story that would would undoubtedly um, help the people to understand the helpless plight that this man was in, um, and 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 that and that as he as he chose this man out to encounter him and to to speak with him and ultimately to forgive his sins and to heal his body, um, that that what Jesus was doing is he was putting an object lesson out there for a group of people who needed to know that they were irrevocably, irrevocably broken in their sin and estranged from God and that they needed God to do something in order to heal them. So the first thing that we want to see here is that, that the, the, peril, the man was paralyzed, but, but he, was also, he was also a sinner. Um, you know, we, we see in Psalm 58 that the psalmist writes um, to us about our own sin that, um, that, we are, um, that we are all sinners, that we all have been irrevocably broken um, by the curse of sin, and that, that there is that, that the venom and, and the brokenness of sin extends to, to each and every one of us. One of the things we've had the pleasure to do over the last um, last few weeks is to welcome a, a new granddaughter into our our home, and so our granddaughter is nine weeks old and is is wonderful and beautiful. And if you don't believe me, please shoot me an email, and I'd love to send you send you a picture of her, and would love to tell you all about all the great things that she does as as a nine week old. But but something that we that we've learned, although although our our granddaughter um, you know appears almost to be perfect in our eyes. Um, 
like we can already begin to see um, the ref- the reflection of brokenness in the life of our granddaughter at nine weeks old. She still, you know, has those moments where she doesn't um, she doesn't get held when she wants to be, or she doesn't get exactly what she wants, and she becomes fussy and and you know and starts to cry, kind of that 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 fake and sort of sort of um, not really hurting, but just want to get your attention, kind of cry. Well, like what we are already beginning to see is what's going to grow into blossom or going to blossom and grow in her life, which is which is that sin nature um, that we all have that's been passed down from from Adam and Eve and is is common to all of us. And so even this paralyzed man who was in this condition, who could very, very without great difficulty or possibly not at all even get out into the world that um, that he inhabited, that man himself was a sinner. And, and he had violated God's law and he had violated God's code um, in thought and, and perhaps in deed. And, and he's no different than the rest of us. And so, so part of what Jesus is doing is, is he's approaching this man, and he's not just approaching him based on the physical malady that everyone can see, but he's, he's approaching him on the common need that everyone has. Um, and, and Romans chapter 3, you know, part of, the, uh, part of what we see in Romans chapter 3 is this idea that, that sin has brought death. Um, but but also in Romans chapter three verse eleven, um, Paul tells us that that we as people are unwilling and unable to come to Jesus. That left to our own devices, we wouldn't choose um, to to follow Jesus. We wouldn't choose to be to be reconciled with God. And, and so this paralysis and this physical malady on the outside was, was really a living picture of what was going on in the heart of this man where he was broken, he was estranged from God, he was broken in his body, but he was also broken in his spirit, and, and he needed God to do something. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 remind us of the truth that in our sin we are dead. Many times in our sin, we want to believe that we're not dead, but we're just we're just bad people um, that need to get a little better, or we're or we're we're just hurt people that need to get well. But the truth is that that the the, the true nature of our sin is that we are dead people who are in need of of, of resurrection and in need of rebirth. And so, so the second thing that we see is that, that this man in his physical malady shows us that, that he could not come to Jesus on his own. Um, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That, that we need the gospel to be brought to us. We need to be told about Jesus, and we need God to do an intervening work in our lives to, to bring the gospel to root and to bring the gospel to bear. Um, you know, it 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 just it happens um, that that a that a person's never going to come to true faith um, as the result of a false gospel. Um, but but so so somebody's not going to hear a lie long enough that they're ultimately going to believe and know how to believe on Jesus. The way that people believe in Jesus is because they've been told about Jesus and about about the truth of Him. This man needed friends who were going to bear him up and were going to bear him to the king. He couldn't get up on his own and he couldn't walk to the house. He, he couldn't climb up on the roof and, and dig through the roof tiles on his own. He couldn't lower himself to, to, to come to the king. And, and certainly, ultimately, he needed Jesus to forgive his sins and to heal his body. But he needed people to take him to the king. And, and we want to be the kind of men and women that are, that are people that, that take people to the king. 
that, that, that we allow God to do his work of salvation, like we see um, in John 6, 44, that, that God does his work to provide for the salvation of people, but we do our work in bringing people um, to Jesus. The, 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 the third thing that we see in this passage that's incredibly important is that, that Jesus declares that he has the authority to forgive this man's sin. Now, the, the Pharisees and, and those that had come, not just from the neighborhood, but they'd come from, from neighboring towns and really come from, from all over Judea to, to sit and to listen to Jesus, they came because they wanted to be skeptical. Not because they wanted to be healed, not because they wanted to be changed, um, but they wanted to find fault with Jesus. And so one of the ways that they try to find fault is, is they say, well, well wait a minute, you don't, you don't have the ability to forgive sins because the only one that can do that is God. And Jesus looks at them and declares in, in an unabashed way that that is exactly right what you've said and he says now which is which would be easier for me to say to to take your bed and get up and walk or or for your sins to be forgiven because he says truly i'm the one that has the authority to do both and so we remember, like, like Jesus tells us in John 10, that he and the Father are one. And, and, that, and that all that the Father has and all that the Father is, is Jesus. And so when Jesus says to this man, get up and walk, when Jesus says to Lazarus, um, live again and breathe, he has the ability to do it because he's God. And so today we can trust that Jesus has the ability to rescue us from our sins and he has the ability to make us over because Jesus is God and he has provided um, for our reconciliation to God. The last thing that we see is that Jesus has the, the, the authority to restore the body. And so Jesus shows himself to be sovereign over creation. Um, in, in this passage, in, in verses 24 and 25, we, we see um, that Jesus says um, to the man, he says, um, but so that you know that, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, Take, get up, take up your stretcher, and go home. And he says, apparently, at, at this point, the man grabs his, his bed up, he takes it with him, and he goes home, um, continuing to, to glorify God. Um, and, and, and one of the things that we know is that, that the gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. The gospel is a gospel of rebirth. And this man was made over physically because Jesus had forgiven his sins, because, but because Jesus had forgiven and had erased the curse of sin that was on this man because he was living in this condition of brokenness, which is reflective of the way that our world has been broken and things are not right as a result of sin. Something that we know that when we care for orphans and vulnerable children and vulnerable families, we are we are essentially righting wrongs and 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 and, and putting temporary fixes on things that have been broken by sin. When families are torn apart, when we help them to be brought back together, we're showing that the gospel has that power. When when children are adopted into families, we're showing that there that there's a way that 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 God through His people can care for orphans and can love on them and and invest the gospel in them and and. To, and to raise them in a way that, that God desires for them to be raised. But we're also pointing to a future. 
When we put families together, when we put families back together, when we see women choose life, when we care for orphans and help them to prepare for adulthood, when institutions haven't, what we're doing is, is we're putting a taste on the lips of people of the coming kingdom of God. And we're testifying to the fact that the king that we serve holds power over death and hell and the grave and sin, and he has the power to, to recreate. And so what we see recreate, what we recreate imperfectly and what we see um, brought back together and and healed imperfectly, we trust that Jesus will heal perfectly one day. That there's a day coming when Jesus is going to reign as King and He's going to establish Himself in perfection. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit herbynewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.